So we're in this series called Canon Event. All right, who's been here sometime in the last two weeks? Raise your hand if you've been here sometime in the last two weeks. Okay, so we're doing this series called Canon Event. What does that mean? Canon Event is a, pl- a spinoff of the Spider-Man movie because why not? Because, uh, come on. But a Canon Event is something that needs to happen, that's important to the story and important to the development of a character, right? And so we've been talking about Joshua, uh, the book of Joshua, the character of Joshua, the book of Judges, which is filled with many characters, and then we're going to end it with the book of Ruth. And the reason is I think all three of these books and and the many characters within them um, are really important to the story of of God and of Israel and of us. Amen? And so... uh, we want to learn about these things. And the cool thing, the reason we kind of have like this superhero theme is because really a lot of these people in these stories are like superheroes. And so we heard of uh, someone who, was, who killed 600 Philistines with, a, with an, uh, what's it called, an ox? Something, I don't know. It's a, it's a tool. Um, but that was pretty, pretty gnarly. We hear of some other stuff. And then last week we talked about Deborah and Barak, which is pretty tough. Anybody like that one last week of Deborah and Barry? Okay, cool. This week, we are going to talk about a character named Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Gideon. Uh, anybody ever seen those little Gideon Bibles, those little orange ones? Anybody, you know what those are? Anybody know? No? Yeah, we see the little Gideon Bibles? I don't know why they're called Gideon Bibles, but anyways, that's, so that's the name. That's the name of this guy called Gideon, okay? He didn't make them, I'm pretty sure. Um... The title of tonight's message, if you're taking notes, if you'd like to do that, which I would encourage you to, um, and some of you are crazy, like I know Michaela, sometimes she'd be listening, just being a part of it, and then she goes back and listens to the podcast and takes notes, because she's crazy, but maybe she's just a little more sanctified than the rest of us, I don't know, okay, um, just kidding, but if you're, if you're taking notes, um, here's what the title of tonight's message is, and I want you to say this with me, but after I tell you, it, we're going to call tonight's message... I am a mighty warrior, and the Lord is peace. I am a mighty warrior, and the Lord is peace. It's not like this, like, super trendy name for a message, right? Uh, But that's what this story is about. So say, I'm a mighty warrior, warrior. and the Lord is peace. peace. Say it again. I'm a mighty warrior, and the Lord is peace. And you're like, bro, cringe. I'm not a mighty warrior, right? But that's what we're going to read about in this story, okay? And so uh, we're going to be in Judges chapter 6 and 7 today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to there. Uh, In Judges chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Bro, how many times (laughs) in the first six books of the Bible... In the first eight books of the Bible. How many times do we have to hear that? Right? Aren't we kind of sick of that? That the, the, the children of Israel have done what's evil. And that's been this whole story, right? Evil, they send someone to, to rescue them. That's the story of judges. They fall out of favor with God. And then they cry out. And then someone comes saving them. And that's what we talked about last week. But, so this is how it opens up. The sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hands of the Midian uh, knights for seven years. Everybody say seven years. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel. Because Midian 
the sons of Israel made for themselves dens which were in the mountains and caves and the caves in the strongholds. So they were so oppressed and uh, brutalized by the Midians that they made homes in, in the mountains. They made homes in the caves. They made homes in these strongholds to hide from the Midianites so that they wouldn't be harmed. So you could say things are off to a bad start <laughs> for this story, right? And so, uh, verse 3, for it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons um, of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel as well as sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts for number. It was crazy, all right? They would just take all their food. Anybody ever seen the movie The Magnificent Seven? No? Oh, dang, this is not going to be cool. Okay, so it's this, it's this movie. It's a Western. Westerns are dope, okay? And there's this little village, right? That, and, and, and every so often, these, this group of uh, bandits, if you will, come in and take all their food and, and, and kill people and do all this kind of stuff. And they're just like, we're going to stand up against them. And they do it with seven people. I'm pretty sure The Magnificent Seven is based off the story of Gideon, okay? And that's just an epiphany I just had right now. Um. Anyways, so check that out. Um, Verse 7. Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on account of Midian that the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, It was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors and dispossessed them before uh, and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods, the Amorites, in, the, in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. Right? And so now here's this story, right? We've heard this before. The Israelites are in trouble. They call out to God. God's answering, right? And who does God answer with? There's this little dude named Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. And here's the point of this story, okay? And we're going to get into this more uh, here pretty soon. But the point of this story is, once again, God is telling the people of Israel that, hey, I gave you a promised land. You guys remember that? With with Joshua and the, the walls of Jericho? I gave you a promised land, and I told you you would prosper. But what happens is you disobey me. And so when we disobey God, the favor of God leaves us, right? And so they disobey God, and then they find themselves in slavery, right? We talked about this last week. Sin leads to what? Slavery. And so they find themselves in this place, but what, you know what, they're, what God is trying to get them to say is, maybe it's time that you take back what the Lord gave you in the first place. Maybe it's time that you look at what God has blessed you with, that you let go because of disobedience, and it's time that we take it back. Does that make sense, everybody? And so this might be us in our, in our lives where, man, God called us to something. God really set our hearts ablaze a couple years ago, or, or maybe it was at retreat or at camp, or maybe it was at convention, or, or maybe it was here in this room or, where God, we felt God was calling us to something special, and it was awesome. And, and that calling has seemed to fade in the distance because we've just been constant in our disobedience of him. 
We've been constant in that, in that, right? But God's saying, like, wait, that's still part of my story for you. It's still part of the plan. So why don't we take back what's rightfully ours? Does that make sense? And so tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to angle this a different way. Can I angle it a different way? This isn't just going to be a story about Gideon. This is going to be a story about us. This is going to be a story about me. This is going to be a story about Danielle. This is going to be a story about all of us, okay? And what I see, a parallel here, and I'm stealing a little bit of, of this from uh, Pastor Jeremy Johnson, which you guys, have, you guys know. Uh, he spoke a beautiful message on this. But I'm going to angle it in the idea that anxiety, fear, depression can be looked at as, like a, as a symbol of these Midianites. They've overrun our life. They've put us into a place where we're hiding in the mountain, in the caverns, and we feel like we're unsafe everywhere that we go. And God looks at us, and God is saying, I think it's about time you take back what I've given you. Amen? And you know what God has given us? The Bible says that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would be given to us. Right? And so I think it's about time we take back what the Lord given us, right? And so here's, here's, can I give you a hard truth? Can we start with that? Is that cool, everybody? Say, uh-huh. uh-huh. Okay, I just made you say yes. Bullying you into transformation. Okay, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. I'm going to add myself into this, even though we're technically not part of the same generation. Let's lump them in, lump them together. If we're being honest with ourselves, we're an anxious, stressed, depressed, fear-ridden generation. We're timid. We're overly sensitive. And we're, can I, um, this is harsh, but we're kind of weak. Now listen, there's some things that are, are good with that. I think we're the most empathetic generation there's ever been. I think we see people really well. I think those things are good, but, but. If you, and not that this is the, the judge of all things, but if you look back to our great-great-grandparents that were fighting in World War I and II, and then we look at the average 18-year-old boy today, you know what I mean? It's a little different, right? It's, it's, a, it's a little different. But back then also, a lot of those, and here's the thing, so don't, I'm not ragging on us, but... Back then, too, some of those, those young men were pretty emotionally unavailable. And so we're, we're maybe an emotionally mature, or trying to be at least, an emotionally mature generation, but we fall sort, short. And so we find ourselves, we're timid, we're sensitive, and we're fairly weak. And that's just the reality of things for us at the moment. But there's, it's going to get good. Watch. <laughs> And, and so we've let fear take a stronghold in our lives, right? And like the Israelites, we find ourselves cornered, hiding, doing our work in fear. Not stepping out in the call that God has for us because we're afraid, right? Most of the times when we don't step out in faith, it's because we've got caught up in fear. Does that make sense? And we probably all wish that we would be a little bit more faith-filled than fearful, Right? And then the Lord shows up. So we're going to read here uh, verses 11 through 18, okay? And so, then the angel of the Lord. Ooh, remember that? Remember the angel of the Lord, everybody, from the Joshua story? Okay, just throwing it out there. Okay, then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the oak 
that was in Ophrah, kind of looks like Oprah, so we might call it that, Oprah Winfrey, which belonged to Joash the Abezerite. As his son, Gideon, was beating out wheat in the wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. So Gideon is, is working on, on this wheat. He's beating out the wheat in um, a wine press. And the only reason that he's doing it is wine press would be, would be um, submerged a little bit. So it would be like a hole in the ground. That's where the wine press would be. So he's, he's working with the wheat down there so the Midianites don't see him. Does that make sense, everybody? Because they don't want them to steal their food, right? The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Any of you felt like that? I'm preaching up here and I'm like, guys, God is with you and he wants you to live a transformed life. And you're like, Brett, if God's with me, why is everything falling apart? But check this out. From a third-party perspective, now that we've read the story, we actually could probably all answer the question. Think about it. For these Israelites, why is everything going wrong? Because they disobeyed and they don't trust, right? And it's not all on us. Sometimes, like the story of Job, my brother just wrote a book on Job. (laughs) The story of Job, Job's not really... Doing too much wrong. (laughs) Things are just happening. There's some ambiguity to life, and that's just going to be how it is. But sometimes we ask that question, and we look silly like Gideon. (laughs) And he says, and where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about? Ever felt like that? Saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian? The Lord looked at him. The Lord looked at him and said, go In this, your strength and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? He said to him, O Lord, how shall I deliver Israel? He says, my family is the least in Manasseh. And I'm the youngest in my father's house. So he's saying, my my, my family is the weakest family in my tribe. And I'm the youngest of the sons. What am I supposed to do? Right? Anybody ever felt like that? Like, God, you're calling me to something great. That's cool. But who am I? I'm nobody to be. Or oppositely, sometimes we're like, God, why haven't you called me? I'm like almost perfect. Like, God, if you would just say the word, I would do amazing things for you. Right? But check this out. So God calls... Gideon, a mighty warrior. Everybody say mighty warrior. And no one has called him this before. Not even close. No one has viewed Gideon as like this Joshua character or this Moses character that's going to lead anybody. He's the least of of, of his tribe and the least of his family. He's like, "Who, who am I? But God calls him mighty warrior. Check this out. God is assigning to Gideon an identity that he has already created for him. It's not based on how Gideon feels about himself or what people say about Gideon, but it's simply about what God says about Gideon. Right? And so here's, 
here's, th- th- this brings us to the biggest question we could ever ask God. That might be a bold statement. Here, here's a big question that we should ask God, okay? A big question we should ask God. God, who do you say that I am? Who do you say I am? If, if Brett's up here preaching that I shouldn't let myself decide who I am, and I shouldn't let culture and society and all my friends decide who I am, then someone's got to tell me who I am, right? And it's like Gideon, right? Gideon's sitting there, and he's like, well, I'm the least in this tribe, and I'm the least in my family. You know what everybody has told him? You're the least. He goes, so he argues with God, no, 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 but God, you don't understand. I know you're calling me to this mighty warrior thing. That's not me. It's never been me. I don't feel like that. I don't look like that, right? My family doesn't say I'm that. My friends don't say I'm that. But God's like, look, none of that matters because I spoke. And guess what? I gave you the very breath that you're breathing right now. So what I say goes <laughs> in the nicest way possible. Because <laughs> guess what? God's plans are better than ours. Amen? So we got to ask that question, who do you say I am? And a couple things. God says that you're a child of God. God says in the very beginning, you're very good. God says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Those of you that look at yourself in the mirror and you're not happy with the reflection that you see, you're not viewing yourself how God views you. God views you as wonderful and fearfully made and not a mistake. God says you're chosen, you're called out, you're set apart. And God says that you're a mighty warrior. So, the goal of tonight is to see what we can do to get peace. Anybody want peace in this place? Anybody want the peace of God? I want the peace of God. Uh, if you want the peace of God, here's what we're going to do. We're going to follow this story. We're going to see what Gideon does to get the peace of God. Amen? So number one, if you're taking notes, we're going to sacrifice unto the Lord. We're going to sacrifice unto the Lord. In verses 23, 22-23, Hold on, pause. In verses 22 and 23, Gideon says, okay, so so the angel's right in front of Gideon, right? And let's say the angel of the Lord is Ethan, okay? So Gideon's like this. Gideon's over here, and he's like, okay, this is great. You're telling me that you want me to be a mighty warrior. I'm really weak. I can't do this. This is crazy. Stay there. I'll be right back. I'm going to bring, like, an offering, okay? Stay there. And God says, all right, (laughs) I'll be here. So he goes, goes back to his house, gets all the stuff he comes. He's like, oh, sweet, you're still here. And then, he, and then he sacrifices an animal to God. He builds an altar, and, and, and God says, see, I'm still here. I am who I said I am. I am who I always will be. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and named it, the Lord is peace. Isn't that cool? Gideon is a fearful man. We'll see this throughout, that Gideon is fearful. And this isn't the moment when Gideon gets set free from fear. It's not. But he declares that the Lord is peace because he's felt that peace from the Lord. Amen? And that's some of our stories. We haven't been rid of our anxiety. We might not necessarily have been rid of our depression, but we felt the peace of God at times, and we want to press in, and we want to find that more and more and more and more and more. And this is how we're going to do it. Okay, so step one, we're going to sacrifice unto the Lord. We're going to build an altar, right? The Lord is peace. Romans 12, 1 through 2 talks about us being a living sacrifice. Every day, 
I'm to die to myself and dedicate myself to the Lord. Does that make sense, everybody? And so I'm going to be the sacrifice. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. God, I'm only going to, it's like what Moses said in Exodus 33. God, if you don't go with me, I'm not going anywhere. I want to do everything with you. I want to do everything for you. God, I'm not asking you to follow me. I'm asking, please, would you let me follow you? Amen? Number two. We're going to start in verse 25 to 27, then I'll tell you what number two is, okay? Now, on the same night, the Lord said to him, Now take your father's bull and a second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it. So what this is, there's an altar of Baal. Baal's another god. Does that make sense, everybody? There's an altar to Baal, and Asherah is, a, is like a pole. It represents all sorts of demonic stuff. Is not good, okay? And so he says, pull that down, tear that down. Let's get out of here. Cut that down, pull that down. So number three, or number two, sorry. Number one, we got to sacrifice unto the Lord. Number two, we got to tear down the idols in our lives. Got to tear them down. There's things in our lives that are getting in the way of us and God. There's things that we're idolizing. There's things that we're basically worshiping. There's things that we put way ahead of God in our lives that we have to sacrifice. We have to tear that down, right? And it might be who uh, we think we ought to be. You know, for a long time, I really wanted to be a professional football player. Ha ha, laugh, whatever. I get it, okay? It didn't happen. But that was like an idol in my life. And some of you who talk to me still today, football is like a huge thing to me, right? And honestly, for a while, the idea of being loved uh, romantically was an idol for me. It was. And I struggled with that for a long time, and I could never find consistency until I met Danielle. You know what the funny thing was? About six months before I met Danielle, I told God, I'm done. I hate girls. I literally, literally. I said, I'm done. I hate them. I'm done with the games. I'm done with all this stuff. I'm just going to be me. Right? I was like, that's it. If I got to be single forever, I don't care. I was like, I hate this. I'm going to hang out with the boys. We're going to be chill. Because I was tired of like feeling, you guys have felt that? Where your heart's like getting ripped out of your chest. It's like, why is it so hard? But I made romantic relationships an idol in my life. And when I tore down that aisle, God is like, okay, now you're ready. Hey, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got to tear down the idol. Some of you guys idolize being good at video games and you're not that good, okay? So, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> It says me. I know. I'm trash. But, okay. Dude, should I roast him, Ben, or what? Some of y'all got, like, a $4,000 setup, but I'm still cooking you on. <laughs> I'm still cooking you, bro, with my $200 Xbox. Okay. All right. Okay. 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 The comment down goes up. But, listen, we got to tear down the idols, right? You know what's the biggest idol in our society right now? Self. It's us. You know what's also a really big idol in society? Sex. We gotta tear them down. If I if I was to, if I were to prophetically say that God is going to ask us to tear down an altar of Baal and an Asherah pole, that would be it. Tear down the idol of self and tear down the idol of sex and come follow me. I think that's the call for this generation. I could be wrong. I'm not a prophet, <laughs> but <laughs> that's what I would think. Okay, so we gotta sacrifice ourselves unto the Lord. We gotta tear down the idols in our lives. Part of sacrificing 
or tearing down the idol of self is picking up our cross and following him. Amen? And that's in Matthew chapter 16 as well. Galatians uh, chapter 5, verse 24, talks about if we're to live by the Spirit, we have to put our fleshly desires to death. What? What? So the idea that you should do what you feel like doing is not a godly idea. It's not. What I feel like doing is not always godly, right? Danielle will tell you when I'm driving sometimes what I feel like doing. You cut me off, right? I, the other day I was yelling at somebody in a roundabout. Like the, the windows are rolled up. They can't hear me. So there's a roundabout by my, by my house, and I'm pulling up to the roundabout. And this person's going around it, and then decides they want to turn right, but too late. So they stop right here in front of me like this. And they're like, go ahead. And I'm like, bro, are you, are you crazy? Like, you're in a roundabout, right? And so I was like, no, 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 go ahead. And they're like, go. And I was like, no, 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 please, you go. And they're like, are you stupid? Go. And I was like, it's a roundabout. And then Danielle's like, just go, just go, just go. And I was like, no, I'm not going. It's a roundabout, go. And then finally this person just turns right, like, cut, like almost hits our car, cuts somebody else off. And I was like, just go around. What are you talking about? Anyways, so... What we desire to do sometimes is not what's best for us. Amen? I was on my motorcycle the other night, and some dude tried to kill me. That's not a good desire. All I told him was to stop being so close to me. And then he's like, fine, I'm going to run you off the road. That's how this works. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. Our desires are bad. Right? Our desires are bad. So tear down those idols. Okay, all right. The next one. If we move on to verse 33 and 34, then the Midianites and the Amalekites and the sons of the east assembled themselves and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. <laughs> Keep it real, baby. Verse 34, so the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. We're going to stop right there. We got to sacrifice ourselves unto the Lord. We got to tear down idols and we got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number three. We gotta be filled with the Holy Spirit. We gotta we gotta be spirit led. We gotta let the Spirit lead us in our lives. Amen. We can't just go blind. Like when we're making decisions in life, we're gonna be like, uh, yeah, that feels good. That's not how we do it. Here's the alternative. I'm telling you that you can't make decisions based off what you feel. So you're like, Brett, how am I supposed to then make decisions? Go to God. Take a moment in prayer. Jason Zoe's dad, Jared, is one of the very best at this. And in like in random things, like we'll be, well, his car broke down a little while ago, and well, they got a new car after that, which the new car is sweet, by the way. Um, it's like one of those high-tech minivans. I don't even know what the buttons do. I'm like, can, <laughs> I told Jared today, can you let me into this spacecraft? I don't know how to get in here. Um, but while he's driving this broken down car to the mechanic, he's saying, Lord, would you have your will in this? Would you help us somehow, Lord, to, to be able to come up with the front? He's like praying out loud. And he's like, wow, I don't do that. Most of the time. Can I be real? I'm good at other things. I'm really good at, like, you know, some of the disciplines and things that I do in my life. But I'm not super good at taking everything to the Lord. Sometimes I think with my prideful self that I can make this decision because I've got good discernment. I know what's best, dude. <laughs> you ever felt like that? Your parents are telling you what to do and you're like, you have no clue about anything in my life. You've never been to junior high. Oh, wait. Mom, you don't know what it's like. <laughs> you don't know. He loves me. 
you know? She's <laughs> like, no, okay, stop. It's summer camp, night two, chill. <laughs> Take a cold shower, go to bed. All right, no. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta that that's the alternative to to making decisions on our own we gotta make it with the holy spirit amen it's like like once again what moses said where your presence go i go where your presence goes i go right this is reflected in the New Testament in Pentecost right the spirit of the lord came over the, the whole early church and that what it did was it boosted this 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 awakening in, in the area. And that's how it happened. Okay, so number four. And this is the story. This is a really cool story. I'm gonna, and I'll tell you what the, the last part is here. The last two things. So, uh, Gideon. Everybody say Gideon. Y'all still with me? I, I got like five minutes left. Here we go. So Gideon has a group. Okay, I'm going to go fight the Midianites. I'm going to free Israel. This is going to be dope. I got 20. I got actually... 32,000 men. Hoorah. God says, nah, it's not, I don't, I don't like, I, mm, I don't like that. <laughs> He's like, God, it's 32,000. You want more? Do I need to go recruit more? What's going on? God says, no, I, I want less. God, um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I need at least 32,000 <laughs> to win this fight. We're outnumbered, Lord. But I, this is why I got 32,000. We're outnumbered, but I know you'll be with us. I know we'll win this fight. God says, too much. Right? Gideon's mind is going crazy. God, it's not too much. We're going to die. Right? It's like, it's like how, how oftentimes we're in this place where God's like, no, that's not right. And you're like, but it is right. It has to be right. But it's not. We're, sometimes we're doofuses, Okay? So God says, hey, go up to everybody. Remember when we talked about how fear is rebellion because God says be strong and courageous? God called Gideon a mighty warrior even though he was the least. And so here's what he says. God says in the pursuit of peace, remember we're on this journey of the pursuit of peace. God says, go to everybody and say if they're scared, go home. What? God wants to rid this camp of fear. Because fear is rebellion, and it has no place amongst the mighty warrior. Does that make sense, everybody? So he says, ask anybody if they're afraid and tell them to go home. 22,000 men go home. That's 22,000 men that were going to be against Gideon when push came to shove. Right? So here's the thing that happens when we get into a place where we are uh, accepting a call from God and we're building up this courage and we're accepting the call in our life to be a mighty warrior. We're going to have to tell our friends that are mighty afraid to get behind us. Right? And so God says, okay, we're down to 10,000. Gideon's like, I don't know how you're going to do this. This is crazy. We're probably going to die, but I'm in it. Like, this is pretty metal. Let's do it. 10,000 versus however much they got. God says, that's too much. And that was the first recorded bruh in the Bible, okay? <laughs> he says, what? Everybody say, what? Okay, that's good. All right, I mean, that's, all right, okay. He says, no. So he goes, this is weird. God says, okay, go down to the, go down to the, the, the lake or the river or wherever you're going to drink water from, right? I don't know exactly what it was. He says, go down there, have them all drink. And those 
who get down and put their lips directly to the water, right? Send them home. And then those who go down and pull the water out like this, keep them with you. What? God says, watch this. And so, right there at 10,000. So 9,700 of them just go. And, and so, uh, so God is like, God is like, hey, Nathan, zip it, thank you. Uh, so God is like, here, here's your 300 people left. And Gideon is like, wait a second. I think you got the math wrong. I think you meant the other people were, because you left me with 300. You left me with 300. Right? And he's like, how, how is this supposed to work? And he goes, trust. He's like, all right. So here's number four for all of us. In order to encounter God's peace, right, we have to sacrifice ourselves to the Lord. We have to tear down the idols. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have to relinquish control. We have to relinquish control. Man, 32,000 sounds really good. 300 does not sound good. Not at all. God says, there are too many here for it to be for my glory. Tear it down. Fear is rebellion, and it must go, right? Once you release control of the outcome... Right? Once we take control and we release it out of our hands, then God can put the victory into our hands. Does that make sense, everybody? That's the language that's used in the Bible all the time, that this has been given into your hands, right? We have to relinquish control in order for that to be given into our hands. <clears throat> Jesus models this when he's praying before he gets crucified, and he says, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. Even Jesus relinquished control. That's number four. Number five, we've got to find peace. We've got to follow God's plan. So Gideon with the 300 go into the gnarliest battle of all time. 300 versus hundreds of thousands. And they win. Because they follow God's plan. They're located in different places. They attack in a strategic way. They go through this whole thing. And then God actually makes it so that the, the, the people who they're fighting against start fighting each other. They're like, oh, that made it easy. That's cool. Hey, oh, no, you guys are on the same. Oh, oh, <laughs> all right. Okay, next one, right? Like they're just, it's like friendly fire. They're just going at it. And you're like, oh, cool. All right, sweet, sweet. You follow God's plan and you win. You know who else followed God's plan? Joshua followed God's plan to march around like a bunch of crazy idiots and scream at a wall and then it fell down. Moses followed God's plan to stick a stick in the water and it would part. Joseph followed God's plan to be in a prison to, to interpret dreams. Noah followed God's plan to build the biggest boat ever when it hadn't rained Ever. <laughs> what? The story, these stories are all about people doing crazy things because God wants to see how much you trust him. And it's not that like God's just going to have you do a crazy thing. Like you're, 
look, Brett, I, I have a mohawk now coming next week to youth group. Okay, that's, it's not like that. It's not that crazy. Some kid's like jumping off the roof of the church. He told me to do it. I was like, no, don't do that, okay? But God calls us outside of our comfort zone into something that's incredibly difficult sometimes that we don't think we could do. 300 versus hundreds of thousands doesn't make any sense. Building a boat when there's no water doesn't make any sense. Putting your stick in the water and watching it, that doesn't make any sense. But God says it's for my glory, not yours. That's why it doesn't make any sense. So if if your dream for your life, if your biggest dream for your life makes sense, it's not from God, I don't think. If you're like, "I I can do that in my own strength, it's not from God. Because it's for your glory, not his. Does that make sense? So the thing that God has called you to is so far beyond your imagination. It's so far beyond what you think you could do. Because when you achieve it, only he can receive that glory. Only he can get that. And if you think, here's the two things that happen. If you think that you can achieve this dream that God gave you, there's one or two things happening. One, you're either too prideful to get it done, or the dream's too small. So, what does this look like? It looks like obedience. Obedience is the fruit of surrender. Jesus on the cross, right? The disciples in response, it's all surrender. Gideon wins because he submits and he obeys. And so listen, guys, we're in a pursuit of, if we're, if we're in a pursuit of peace in a generation that's ridden with fear, anxiety, depression, stress, timidity, weakness, all this kind of stuff. If we're in a pursuit of being a mighty warrior and being filled with God's peace, here's what we have to do. We have to sacrifice ourselves every day for the Lord. We have to die to ourselves daily. We have to tear down the idols in our life. Stop worshiping things above God. We got to be filled and guided by the Holy Spirit. We got to relinquish control. We got to follow God's plan. Amen? Amen. Uh, 809. Hey, we're going to just close, okay? Because I know I've done that a few weeks in a row. I'm sorry, worship team. I love you so much. But we have some s'mores that we want to get to after this. Uh, and uh, I think we can take that time as a time of worship as well and just get to know each other and love on each other and all that kind of stuff. So would you stand up with me? I want to pray us out. Hey, each and every one of you are a mighty warrior. You might not think it. You might be timid. You might not think like... Oh, man, I'm in school, and school is hard, and this is not a place I want to be. But maybe God has put you there to be a pillar of strength. Maybe God has put you there, uh, right, right, because you're supposed to be strong and courageous. And you're like, but I'm not strong. I'm not courageous. I'm the least of these. God is saying, you're mighty. Just obey me. Just follow my plans, and I'll give you peace. Amen? So let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for your word. We thank you for who you are. God, we pray that you would help us to be bold, God. Help us to rid ourselves of fear, God. There's going to always be moments of fear. There's going to be moments of anxiety. There's going to be moments of all this stuff. But God, your word says that you have not given us a spirit of fear. And God, so we bind the spirit of fear and we cast it out and we say, Lord, that only your peace is welcome in our lives. Only your peace is welcome in our homes. And so God, uh, would you lead us? Would you guide us? Would you help us to be obedient so that we could follow you and be filled with peace? In Jesus' name. Everybody said?